It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Yes, hello. Welcome to Off the Bench. A big two hours coming your way. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby with you on your Friday. Plenty to get through. This is probably the most bumper show we've ever had as I introduce Paul Hazelby. G'day, Boob. Great to be with you. Great sweeper too with your name in it. I Makes really me feel special like I'm a part that. of the team. You haven't been a part of it really until you get on the sweeper. So you're here now. But what another big week it has been. Probably the big news for me was around Sam Kerr opting to go to Chelsea. A big $1 million per season deal and she gets the chance to play against the best in the best competition in the world. She's dominated everything else and now she can do that over there in England. The Test Squad, we're going to go through that. Some surprises, no doubt about that. The Socceroos had a win as part of their World Cup qualifiers and Global Rapid Rugby. We're going to talk to Ian Pryor. I'm excited about Global Rapid Rugby. I think all the people that love their rugby union, they would be excited too right now. Do you know what's really funny? You mentioned Sam Kerr off the top. I have all my notes here. I didn't even put it down. That's how big a week it's been. Not saying it's not there. I just slipped my mind, Hayes. Well, what did you just have? Missed it. I had the test squad. I had global rapid rugby. There's a few things going on in the NBA and the NBL that we'll get to a little bit later. So plenty coming up on the show today. We're going to have a chat to Cameron Bancroft in a little bit as well. Mitch Cleary. There's a few things bubbling around in the world of AFL. We're going to get some clarification on that. And also Ian Pryor, as you mentioned, from global rapid rugby, or more specifically, the captain of our very own Western force but before we do any of that are you going to play your big call from last week did you get it right I didn't get my big call no. right uh, I got I had a four leg multi last week and you thought it was going to be easy well no, I only I, got one leg I just said they are difficult I said you picked the three you picked three out of four favorites that's what I said yeah so it's not, it wasn't really a big call when you add them up they're very difficult to get yours failed magnificently because you said Steve Well, Pakistan Smith, and he made 107 or something, didn't in. they? You've got to factor it in. You said he would make 100. They only made 110. He would have if he batted. He didn't batted. even bat. No, no. So you were way off. I'll I'm get my money sticking back with on that. cricket, you don't. <laughs> sticking with cricket, super impressed with Pakistan in the tour game against Australia A. They've got some star quality. Baba Azam, Imran Khan in that game took five wickets. And I've been impressed with their leg spinner, Yasir Shah, to the effect that I think that in the two-match test series, they will get one. So we won't so we'll win draw the series. The, we'll draw the series. I believe we'll draw the series. Super impressed. They got the opportunity to play with the pink ball under lights, and that will be one of the matches there over at Adelaide Oval. So I'm confident that right now we are being led by Steve Smith superbly. If they can do a job on him, I think they get a chance. Big call from Paul Hayes. It'll be my big call. I'm, I'm going off the field. I'm going into the pool. Going into the world of swimming. Now, Sun Yang, the Chinese swimmer, Mac Horton, the great rivalry mm-hmm. that they've got going on. So he will actually face uh, WADA tonight. And they'll come out with a verdict. So FINA, which is the international body of swimming, has already said, you've done nothing wrong. How they can do that when one of his security guards destroyed a vial of blood, I'm not sure. But there are people that believe he's got a good chance of getting off. I don't think he will. I think he will get done. I think WADA will want to clean it up. I think he's his name, regardless of whether... Um, he actually gets off or is, is therefore fined and, and whatever suspension and penalties come his way, he's wrecked the name of swimming. So what do you think? You have I, I, I think well, Four years? I, I think give him two. Two? I think he'll give him two. I think it'll be four, 
but I think there'll be some sort of deal in there. There'll be some sort of, oh, well, he didn't compete in this event. They'll backdate it. I don't know how they do it, but I'll leave that up to the lawyers. But I think he will get done. I don't think he'll get off like he did with Fiener. I think Wada will take him to the cleaners, and I think he'll be rubbed out for at least a couple of years. So Willie Rioli has to be rubbed out for two years as well, given what he did. It has based very on, based similar, on a similar logic. Yes, based on similar logic. But I think, well, that, that's still, what, six months away from being decided. But that's my big call. Let us know your thoughts. You can do that. Uh, it's off the bench here. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby. Bangers coming up next. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you. We're going to catch up now with a man who some suggest, Hayes, was a surprise inclusion into the Australian Test squad. We're not that surprised here, given his performance against Australia. A talk, of course, of Cameron Bancroft. Thanks for joining us, Cam. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Mate, uh, a late addition to Australia A to start the week. Um, Test squad now. Congratulations, I guess, and things have worked out pretty well. Yeah, yeah, obviously, it, uh, yeah, a little bit of a, a uh, little bit of a surprise, definitely, but um, yeah, it's obviously a really good opportunity and another good chance to, um, yeah, to learn, yeah, be better and um, yeah, if I, if I get an opportunity to hopefully um, make the most of it, so yeah, pretty exciting. When did you find out, mate? Was it late last night or did you find out this morning uh, with the rest of us? Uh, yeah, found out after the um, after the game. Yeah, had finished yesterday, so um, yeah, it was pretty, yeah, pretty surprising, but um, yeah, pleasing news. So um, yeah, yeah, just looking forward to to what what's to come now, which will be good. Bangers, congratulations! Now at the moment, three openers have been named. We expect Warner to play, so it could come down to you and Joe Burns. Have you been given any indication of whether you're in the starting eleven? Uh, not really. No, I guess that'll. Um, yeah, that'll be decisions that the you know, selectors will, will make um, moving forward. But, um, yeah, there's obviously a number of guys there that are, I'm sure, in um, really good contention to play. And, um, yeah, I know that yeah, I can be pretty adaptable. Obviously, I've opened the batting so far. But, um, yeah, and I could bat in the middle order as well. So we'll, we'll just see what happens. Um, yeah, just always be ready. And, and um, if an opportunity arises, hopefully take it and make the most of it. One thing you have done is take that opportunity. I think it was the lead-up game prior to the Ashes series, which you performed very well in when everybody fell cheaply around you. And this time round, in the same corresponding game, you've done the same thing. So you know how to handle that pressure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. You just go out there and try and do your best, don't you? Um, uh, yeah, it was a, yeah, that, that game in, in England was, was really pleasing um, yeah, to do that. And then this game as well was... Yeah, much the same. I wasn't really thinking too much about the selection piece. I was more just focused on my game and, and looking to yeah get better out in the middle. Um, you know, get involved in the game. Uh, you know, find some flow and hit the ball in the middle of the bat. And um, you know, all those other things just kind of take care of itself. So it's sort of uh, nice when it when it all works out. When you did get dropped from the Ashes series, what feedback were you given by the selectors and Justin Langer? And do you feel that you have rectified some of those issues that might have arose? Uh, yeah, I think every every day I train, I'm, I'm looking to you know tweak a little bit. Um, you know, some of those uh, yeah, some little things in my game that that I, I wanted to improve and and be better at um, you know, technically and and mentally as well. So. Um, yeah, I think I've come a long way certainly since since that time. I've been able to spend a lot of I got to spend a lot of time in the nets after I got dropped to to practice and and to work on working on a lot of things and then been able to continue that back home. Um, so 
yeah, it's a never-ending process. You're always, um, I think, for the you know, till the day of retire, I'll be continuing to do that. So, um, yeah, it is what it is, and yeah, I'll, I'll continue to do that this week and um, for every game I play moving forward. Bangers, just on the tour match um, that's just wrapped up, of course, against Pakistan. You made 49 in the first innings when uh, pretty much nothing went right for that Australia A lineup. How do you feel like that's prepared you uh, for this Test series? Well, I think, um, you know, being able to occupy the crease and, and face a lot of their bowlers that are likely to play in the in the Test matches, you know, certainly gives gives me really good confidence. Um, you know, they're uh, yeah, they're they're a little bit tricky in, in a few areas. They've got some really good spinners, and and obviously they had a, uh, they got a couple of really good seamers as well. So um, yeah, I think that was probably um, yeah one of the biggest things I learned. And 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 you know, they'll be they'll be a really tough challenge. Um, you know, they don't uh, they won't lie down easily, and and they'll put us under pressure, no doubt, at some point. So um, yeah, for me it was yeah just good confidence, and um, if I get a get an opportunity, hopefully I can use that experience to you know to play well. Cameron Bancroft stays with us here on Off the Bench. Plenty more still to come. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Cameron Bancroft's been good enough to stay on the line with us, Hayes. What did you make of the performance of Baba Azam? We've seen him in the shorter format, but to do it for such a young player in the longer format, he looks like he's got a pretty high ceiling. Yeah, he's a, he's a nice player. He um, played quite well. I thought on day one, it was probably the um, you know the wicket was was pretty nice um, on day one, and you know he hit the ball you know beautifully down the ground and scraped wicket. So um, yeah, obviously uh, we'll have you know Stark Hazelwood come and some really good quicks uh, playing for us, and and that'll be a big challenge for him. So we'll um, we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes, but he's certainly a, you know, a good player and we're going to have to bowl well for him. How many beers did you buy Riley Meredith for uh, staying with you? Because he occupied the crease alongside you, which enabled you to get to 49. Could have made all the difference. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> um, would have been, yeah, I would have liked to have um, been not out there at the end as well, but um, he, he played nicely. I think he actually got his highest first-class score in that game. So, um, yeah, he, yeah, I thought he did really, really well. He, um had a really good defence, and, and I'm sure he would have got a lot of confidence um, for himself out of, you know, batting as well as he did and facing the amount of balls that he did. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good on him. Um, yeah, he's a good good kid and, um, yeah, certainly a good talent coming through in Australia. Positive news for yourself, also Joe Burns and Travis Head, but uh, Marcus Harris and Usman Khawaja, they miss out. How, how did that go down last night? Of course, you are given the news, but the news for them is that it's not positive. Yeah, um, I, I personally don't think I would have I would have known, um, you know, whether they received good news or bad news. Mm. I, I thought um, they seemed pretty level in the chain rooms. Um, it's certainly not something that you, you kind of go out of your way to, um, you know, speak out um, too much. But um, yeah, I, I think they, I'm sure they were very very disappointed, and um, as, as anyone is who feels like they're really close to playing. So. Um, yeah, look, I'm sure they'll be looking to the what what they can do moving forward, and uh, they're both really good cricketers, and um, yeah, no doubt they'll be looking to bounce back. Will Pukowski requested not to be selected due to mental health concerns. How was he throughout the three days? And that's now three players in two weeks. Is is there more that can be done in this space for players? Yeah, I think we actually the last time I was on, I think we had a really good mm. conversation about it, didn't we? And um, 
look, I um I don't know Will that well. Um, played in a couple of teams with him. Um, you know, certainly uh, on the outside speaking to him, he's a very polite guy. Um, really nice fella, and but I I guess you know what it kind of shows is it's not what you see on the outside. There's there's more there's more to um you know mental health that you. Uh, we can't see, um, you know, as peers and as coaches. So, uh, you know, obviously for him, he's, um, you know, made a really brave um, decision. And, you know, hopefully he can, um, you know, find some peace, find some clarity and perspective. And so he can come back and enjoy playing cricket. I think at the end of the day, it's uh, cricket's a, it's a game. And we all try and do our best. But, um, you know, being able to, I guess, ride those... Um, Waves is, you know, is good resilience and, and no doubt he's working really hard to, you know, to find that for himself. So, yeah, wish him all the best and hopefully he's back playing soon. Bangers, how much do you take your hat off to a guy like Pukowski who, as we said, we're talking about the, the mental illness, but this would have been a dream and he's potentially on the verge of a dream to, to play for his country, which is something that we all grow up wanting to wear, a baggy green. For him to remove himself from consideration, how much maturity, I suppose, does that take from a young man who's been touted as uh, being someone who could potentially do something at the highest level for a long time already? Yeah, it's, it's a really big call, isn't it? I think when you're a young player, you you think that, um, you know, that moment presented in front of you, if you missed it or, um, you know, it, it's absolutely everything. Um, but, you know, the the length of a career is longer than just one moment at the start of it. So um, I think um, he's probably, I think he was, he's probably really comfortable with, with his decision. Obviously last year he um, had something really, really similar. So, you know, to be able to be aware of that and to recognise that he's, and not feeling that way is, I think, is a, you know, is a great strength of his, and you know, hopefully he can um, come out the other side and and um, you know find some, um, yeah, I guess yeah, come through and be okay with the the next step of playing. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure what um, his, uh, you know, where he's at right now, but you know, no doubt he'll be looking to improve and um, hopefully you know return to the game and uh, you know play well like he has been. Bangers, really appreciate your time, mate. Go well, best of luck, and congratulations again on your uh, appointment into the squad. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cameron Bancroft there. Stay with us here on Off the Bench. Still plenty more to come. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Yes, welcome back to Off the Bench. Great to have a uh, chat with Cameron Bancroft just then. Now, Hayes, we're going to run through... Uh, the Domain Test Series squad against Pakistan. I'm going to get your thoughts. A lot of people suggesting Cameron Bancroft is the luckiest of the bunch. A lot of that noise, of course, coming from over east and the Victorian slash New South Welshman bias. Uh, but let's run through the squad. Let's give our thoughts. So Tim Payne, of course, will be the captain. Cameron Bancroft, Joe Burns, Pat Cummins, Josh Hazelwood, Travis Head, Manus Labuschagne, Nathan Lyon, Michael Nisa, James Pattinson, Steve Smith, Mitch Stark, Matthew Wade, and David Warner. Your thoughts, Who who's the luckiest person to be in that squad? Well, they're all lucky. Cameron Bancroft is the lucky. I don't subscribe to your theory. Uh, he did this leading in towards the Ashes. The last game, the practice game, he was the one that made a lot of runs when all his teammates were falling around him, and he was selected for the first test over there. He lost his position. He's come back. He's really struggled at Sheffield Shield since he's come back. He's made a few scores in the Marsh Cup, and I think that's important, but it's not Sheffield Shield taking on the four-day red ball. And look, then he makes runs 
in this game. So his timing has been impeccable over the last six months to actually time it. But let's be honest, uh, I don't think you should put too much weight on one single game. For me, it's a body of work. So he was lucky. I think Joe Burns is the other one that he was unlucky not to be selected in England throughout the Ashes because he made 180 the last time he played for Australia and then all of a sudden he was out of the team. He came back early from that tour with uh, the need to take some time off. But given he's been there for a while, he actually has done well for Australia when he's played. 28 innings, he's made 400s in that time and he's got an average of 40. Now, an average of 40 at the start of your career is very, very good. That's more than Sean Marsh, certainly more than Marcus Harris, who missed out. He only averages 24 when he's got the opportunity. He's not a big run scorer, Harris. He gets himself in, but he hasn't been able to turn it into big hundreds. And we know that Justin Langer loves the big hundreds. Travis Head is lucky too, because since the Ashes, he hasn't done much, albeit last week he made a century. That was the the only runs he actually got since he's been back here in Australia. The unlucky one also, Usman Kawaja, who has been a good player for a long time, but you've got to wonder where his test career is now at. And Peter Siddle is the other one that's left out. No real surprise there. He was included in the Ashes and played a pretty significant role, but the conditions over there suit his bowling, given the amount of depth we have with the fast bowling stocks. I think his time representing Australia at test level is certainly done. I like Michael Nessa. He was the best of the bowlers in the tour game. He wasn't far away from getting an opportunity in the Ashes. And I reckon Justin Langer, through the next five matches against Pakistan and then New Zealand, he will look to rotate some of those bowlers, like he did in England. Cummins, Hazelwood, Stark, Pattinson, the other one. And I reckon Michael Nessa will get an opportunity. I think the lucky ones, Travis said, and you mentioned it there. Bancroft yeah. made 49, I think it was. But you look Australia at one right? game. Well, but this is the thing, but you go, okay, so that's the exact same logic you're using with Travis Head. He made 109, and that's the century that you mentioned, which was uh, about two weeks ago, I think. Before that, 29, 3, 0, and 12. Mm. So, I mean... I said he hasn't look, been in great form. Look, it, it is slim pickings, and I know to a point where we're sort of... Um, really... He does average 42, though, Travis Head, uh, when he has played for Australia. And that's something worth taking into consideration, absolutely. But I think Travis Head is the lucky one to be in this squad. Plenty more still to come here on Off The Bench. We'll be chatting a little bit of basketball on the other side. Off The Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off The Bench, Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. As you just heard, time to talk basketball. And our expert is Robert Beaver. He stepped into the studio. No, he was already here. But we're going to go through the NBA, 10 to 12 games into the NBA season so far. What have you seen from the Aussies so far? Look, Aaron Baines is the, the talking point from an Australian point of view. He's been... Borderline sensational, like almost all-star-ish in terms of his impact. His numbers won't get in there. He'll never be an all-star. But the way that he's playing is like an all-star in terms of the impact he's having on the court for the Phoenix Suns. This is a team that's been pretty much a bottom feeder for the past half a decade. All of a sudden, if the playoffs started today, they don't. We're only 10 games into the season. But if they did start today, they'd be a playoff team. They're six wins, four losses. Uh, of course, they did lose um, their last game, so that's unfortunate for them. But compare them to a team like the Los Angeles Clippers, who are title favourites heading into the season. The Clippers are seven and four, so they've played the extra game. They've only got the one more win. A lot of teams still trying to figure themselves out. The Suns are one of the teams, I think, so far. And the reason is because of Aaron Baines that have really started in a blaze of glory to start the season. Big weekend coming up in the NBL. Tonight, it's the Wildcats taking on the 36. A six and three, the Wildcats. They'll be pretty happy with that. They'll flog by Sydney, but the Adelaide 36ers starting to get their game slowly together. It's interesting. The 36ers have been really inconsistent this season. They're two wins from their last five, three losses on the trot. They'll be looking to turn it around. And both teams 
Hayes got beaten by 19 last time out. So I think the Wildcats have got enough to go over there and do it. But as you mentioned, they haven't been their best and they keep getting bailed out uh, in late game situations by the brilliance of Bryce Cotton and Tariko White in particular. So hopefully a team effort for the Cats. The top teams are starting to come to the fore. I mentioned early in the season that Melbourne United, after a slow start, would bounce back. It's starting to happen. And they've got a another derby over there taking on South East Melbourne Phoenix. And all of a sudden, they're the clear favourites. Yeah, the throwdown, as they call it. Melbourne United are heavy favourites coming into this one, which is interesting. They've won their last four, so they've been a really good run of form. Uh, South East Melbourne Phoenix had a couple of wins, a couple of losses in there. I think United will get this one. I, I think they're probably the more talented team, despite the fact that Phoenix took the opening game in the year, so United. Gee, some of the younger players, the next generation players from America are starting to play too. I'm not sure if you saw Lamello. He was outstanding. Diddy Lazada, his three-point shooting against the Wildcats was magnificent. RJ Hampton. I'm, I'm surprised this quickly, at such a young age, they're starting to now take this competition by the throat. And this is what the NBL wanted. They want not only these guys coming down here and playing so they get the audience figures and things, but want them excelling. Because mm. if you can excel, and we don't know what's going to happen with the draft picks uh, situation when it comes to the NBA draft in June, but if these kids can excel, if they're top five, top ten, and to an extent, even just first-round picks, all of a sudden becomes a really viable option for the next crop of kids coming through. Good work by you, Robert Bieber. Change seats. We need you back in the hosting seat because coming up next, it's The Dig. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. The Dig. Dial before you dig. The essential first step. Yes, it is Paul Hazelby's favourite time of the week. All that stress, all that anger that builds up during the week. Well, I don't know why you're angry, Hayes. You don't seem to do a hell of a lot. But the one bit of anger that you have, what are you letting it out on this week? I'm letting it out on David Warner. Now, Beef, you'd think if you're David Warner, and what transpired over there in South Africa with the ball tampering saga. He was the architect of it, and he got a 12-month suspension out of the game. Now, if you were him, would you go back into the cricket fray and start sledging your opponents? For me, I would keep quiet. I'll just go about my business. He caused a lot of drama leading up to that activity over there with um, some banter that went on that nearly went over the line and into the dressing room. So it's been made public today that Ben Stokes has revealed that being sledged relentlessly by David Warner was the motivation behind his stunning match-winning century against Australia at Headingley. This is David Warner on the back of what he did in South Africa, on the back of not getting a run. He was the bunny of Stuart Broad. How could he be sledging Ben Stokes, who is the master? And on the back of what he did in the World Cup prior to the Ashes, you couldn't be doing that to Ben Stokes. David Warner, have a good look at yourself. You shouldn't be doing it to Ben Stokes because just concentrate on cricket. My dig is you at the moment because that is crap. As if that gives you motivation. As if you don't go out there going, oh, I really want to hit a ton for my country and beat Australia anyway. No difference. I don't think Warner made any impact to what Ben Stokes was doing. As you mentioned, he had a good form coming into that Ashes series anyway. Uh, my dig, I'm going Fed Cup. Mm. Ash Barty. Yeah. Ash, Ash, Ash. What have you done? How could she let us down? World number one, Hayes. Goes and lays the golden egg on day two of the Fed Cup. It was there for the taking. She's up one set to love in a best of three. No. No. She missed an opportunity, didn't she? Golden opportunity. She's the goose that laid the golden egg, and she's the goose that sat on it and cracked it and messed it all up. Do you think us as a society and us as media go easier on female sports people in this instance, Ash Barty, because if that was Leighton Hewitt who was leading our country or somebody else, or Nick Curios that was the world number one, and they missed that opportunity, 
I reckon we would have gone a lot harder. I think people have been quite reserved in their criticism of the Fed Cup team and Ash Barty for not getting it done. I think it's because it's the Fed Cup, honestly. And I think it's because that's not because it's women. I think that's just the Fed Cup. It's not a Grand Slam. Uh, it's not a, an event, I suppose, that is really followed religiously, or the tennis people, I suppose, do. But for the wider public, this is an event that not many people pay much attention to. And I think it was in Perth, so we loved it. We paid attention to it. It was at RAC Arena, but I think there's a very large percentage of the population in Australia that still don't even know this event happened. I think that's why there hasn't been a lot of uh, speculation and a lot of digs taken at what Ash Barty did. I know it's a long season, and we should congratulate her for everything that she's accomplished this year. But she's the goose that laid the golden egg and she cracked it on the weekend. Just fell over absolutely uh, pants. Missed the was, singles. Yeah. And then she struggled a little bit in the doubles as well. The doubles is, is what it is. I think you get down to a doubles, you're relying on somebody else, you deal with that. But if you're the number one ranked female tennis player in the world and you're up one set to love in what is what could have been essentially the final, she could have wrapped up the Fed Cup for Australia there. Against the 40th ranked player. Yeah. So I think she's missed a golden opportunity there. So for that, Ash Barty is my dig. Uh, coming up, we're going to have a chat to Mitch Cleary from afl.com.au. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you. Time to check in with the latest in the world of the AFL. And to do that, we are joined by the best in the business, afl.com.au's Mitch Cleary. How are you, Mitch? Good evening, guys. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for joining us, mate. Now, I want to start with Brody Grundy. Um, I believe, he, you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he's in South America at the moment. Do we know when he gets back and, and when this big contract for Brody is supposed to be signed? I'm told he's getting back on December 2, so uh, only a couple of weeks of training for big Brody. Then he'll go away for a couple of weeks. The AFLPA have got it pretty uh, set in stone now that the players get some good time off. So he'll uh, be back. He's uh, climbing the mountains and doing the hiking trails over in South America, and uh, he's now got a, a seven-year deal in front of him. He'd been talking about it for some time, and sort of player and, and person that Brody Grundy is, he'd, he'd been pretty forthcoming in saying that that's what he wanted. And uh, as I've been told up until last week, only a, a five-year deal was in front of him, but the Pies have stumped it up. They've gone for seven. And if you just look at the way these contracts are structured up, if he's on a million dollars a year for the next seven years, a million dollars... In 2019 and 2020, totally different to what it will look like in 2027. So you can see why he's looking for a long-term contract, but you can maybe see why the Pies have come to the party on it because you might see um, that money not being as, as worth, you know, as much going forward as what it is actually now in a salary cap. What does it mean, Mitch, to their other free agents, Jordan Degoe and Darcy Moore, both expected to fetch a high price as well? Do you think they can keep both of those players? It's a great question, Hazen. Honestly, I think they should build a statue of their list manager, Ned Guy, if they can keep all three of those guys. <laughs> and Scott Pendlebury as well. He's not going to be demanding the million dollars or so that he's on now, but he's still at the top of his game when he's out of contract at the end of 2020. Plus, who knows, Mason Cox is out of contract as well, and he could come back in and you know put together some good games of footy. So they've got a lot to juggle. The one thing that long-term contracts do, and the Pies have done a lot of it. So Adam Trelaw had two years to run on his contract. I think he's extended out to even five. What it does allow them to do is park a lot of money for later, and they'll hope that the salary cap increases in years to come, and they'll be able to juggle those caps. Even speaking to some clubs, the situations where 
players are on a million dollars one year, and they might be on four hundred thousand dollars at the next. It's just how they juggle these contracts. So the pies will have all these machinations in mind. In saying that, it's going to be a big ask to keep more and to go. Both will have much more money on the table from other clubs. It's just a matter of whether they see they can win a premiership for Collingwood or not in the next couple of years. Well, Carlton are trying to do exactly that with the Jack Martin contract. We knew that he yeah. was looking at a $1 million year, but now I'm led to believe that it could be two $1 million years to start his time at Carlton. Yeah, and that's what the age is reporting. So if you look at the life of a contract, Hayes, let's say he's on $3 million over five years. The Blues have got so much money in their cap, they were willing to pay Stephen Canelio $2 million in 2020. That's how much money they've saved. So you can pay 95% of the cap for a couple of years, and you can pay up to 105. So if every year, over a three-year window, if you pay 95, 95, 95, you can then go 105%, 105%, 105%. So that's what the Blues have done. Clearly, they haven't been going too well. So they would have saved money. They've got so much money for the next couple of years. You'll see a situation where Jack Martin is paid a million dollars in 2020, a million dollars in 2021, and he could fall straight down to, let's say, $250,000 mm. for the next three years. And that's, will, that will allow the Blues, when Cripps you know, is asking for his next contract, Kerno's asking for more, Paddy Dow, Sam Petrovsky, Seaton, when all these guys are asking for big, big money, they'll have saved money already on Jack Martin. So th- these are the sort of things that the clubs try to do. The other part of that is, by offering that sort of money, he's only wanting to play for Carlton next year. So it, it stops the Suns re-picking you know, picking him up again because they, they're not going to want a million dollars sitting in their salary cap on a player who's not going to play. For example, if he was only asking for $400,000 next year, then the Suns might go, well, hang on, we might redraft him. We get the right to trade him in 12 months' time. But because there is so much money tied up early, that's why I can see him just walking to the Blues in the pre-season draft. It's complicated, but the clubs have uh, got smart people at play at the moment. Mitch Corey will stay with us after with the break. Stick around here on and Off Rob the Bench. Yes, welcome back to Off the Bench. Mitch Cleary from afl.com.au has been good enough to stay with us, Hayes. Mitch, I was interested in the story about Brad Crouch, that uh, he was so keen to get out of Adelaide that late in the trade period, he actually lowered his asking price to get to the Gold Coast Suns. Story. Sam McClure reporting that um, via The Age last night. That lines up with everything that I heard during trade period and when we were on Trade Radio Boys getting getting smashed for reporting that Brad Crouch wanted out of Adelaide, but pretty adamant all along. He didn't have a great relationship with Don Pike. Um, I know that he's gone, but all signs pointed to Brad Crouch wanting to leave. I, I just think... Uh, the Crows were never in a position with everyone they'd lost. You talk Eddie Betts, Josh Jenkins, Hugh Greenwood, Alex Keith, Cam Alice Yeoman. They were just never in a position to trade their reigning best and fairest, even if the Suns had have come with pick two. I just think for Adelaide and that market and how poor their season had been when they'd finally got Brad Crouch's body right at, at 25 years of age coming off at BNF, I just don't think they would have been able to trade him in the situation they were in. I think Brad got his head around that. That's maybe why he came late and tried to get it going again on the last weekend before the trade period closed. Um, But let's see, 12 months more, he's a free agent. He'll be able to walk to the club of his choice when it suits him. But Matthew Nix, the new coach at the Crows, will uh, back himself to to get Brad Crouch's headspace right. 
Retired players Brett Delidio and Andy Otten heading towards the Hawks, and this is a bit of a trend going towards their VFL team to try and strengthen that side. It is. They'll be part-time development coaches for the AFL team as well. And gee, I, I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I've just got this little theory in the back of my mind. If Brett Delidio goes to Box Hill and he's dominating, and the Hawks are in the finals race, mm. why not? throw the mid-season rookie draft. That's what it's there for. And I've got, you know, a few other theories. Dale Morris is still hanging around the dogs. If they're chasing a flag and they need a ready-made defender, I wouldn't be surprised if these sort of things bob up a little bit more. I reckon Andy Otten's just about done. I don't think he's got much more to offer. But if Brett Deledia gets through the first half of the season playing for Box Hill in the VFL and he's, you know, his body's right and his calves, which he has a lot of issues with in the last two or three seasons, if they're right... You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Mark, you know, I wouldn't mind replaying this in uh, May next year if uh, if we could. Rob will uh, scrub the audio and, and see if, if Brett Deledio can somehow get in front of Clarko. Um, if, he's inside the, if he's inside the building, uh, it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world. Given that comment, do you expect every club to leave one position available on their list this year? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Look at Aaron Sand, like I don't know the Aaron Sandlin talk to Essendon might be a little bit far fetched. But um the other on the flip side as well, I can see clubs leaving a spot open after the rookie draft for that very point. Like Richmond did last year, they left a spot open for Sydney Stack. They didn't need to fill it. They got him in for two months, saw what he was like and they filled it before the March deadline. The other part of that is going the other way, I can see situations where AFL clubs keep on to veterans for, for for another season. So let's use Harry Taylor as an example at Geelong. He's, he's, you know, he's coming to the end. He's gone for one more year. Maybe there's, you know, I'm only hypothesising here, but the Cats had a conversation where, see how you're going in the first 12 months, first six months of the year. If you're not right by round 11 or 12, we can retire you like Sean Grigg did at Richmond next year and we can replace you with another mm. player from our VFL system. So, Clubs are always looking for loopholes, and I reckon that's one that we'll start to see emerge in the next uh, year or so. Mitch Cleary joining us from afl.com.au, the best in the business. Stick around. We've got Ian Pryor, captain of the Western Force, after their schedule was released for Global Rapid Rugby earlier in the week. That's coming up next. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you on your Friday. Now we're going to catch up with Ian Pryor. He is the captain of the Western Force Global Rapid Rugby. Uh, announced their schedule earlier in the week. It'll be six teams, 31 games um, and uh, a one-off final with a total prize pool of a million dollars. Here to talk to us about it is the captain of the Western Force. Ian Pryor, thanks for your time. Good evening, Ron Paul. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mate, you must be very happy. It's been a couple of years working towards this point, but it's finally taken shape. Absolutely. We're uh, certainly super excited as a playing group and an organisation to be involved. And uh, like you said, a big couple of years building up to this point. So it's uh, great, great news all around. At any stage through that time, were you starting to get concerned at all about your long-term future? Uh, no, not to be honest, mate. Um Obviously, we, we started off with World Series and the showcase sort of built on that. Um, and based on that and the track record, the players had faith and held faith and have certainly been rewarded. There was um, a lot of uh, tempting offers for a lot of players, including myself, to head overseas or back to the East Coast. But uh, we stuck true and uh, really invested in the program and it's certainly paid dividends now moving forward. 
What the fans want to see is they want to see competitive rugby. Are you confident given what you've seen from these teams and also the improvement that's going to come now that it is a proper competition, that it's going to be exactly that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the, the margins will be finer and the teams will be better, obviously. Having the Showcase Series this year, they got to get together and uh, get to know the competition and the new brand of, uh, of rugby a little bit better. And, you know, your, your teams with your Fiji and your Samoa, which will be backed both by international unions on top of uh, South China Tigers, who have a Hong Kong background with their sevens background, um, certainly going to be some quality players and outfits come, to come up against. Mate, you mentioned that Samoa um, and a couple of the other teams are going to be back now officially by the rugby union uh, bodies within those countries. What impact does that have in terms of their ability to put good players out in the park, the resources and all those types of things? Yeah, I think you just touched on it there, the resources, the programming um, and, and the quality of players. You know, These are the players that they're trying to tout um, and to bring through into the international level, both for 7 and 15. So, um, yeah, that's super exciting for a quality base. Fiji have always had that. You know, Fiji and Latui this year that we played against, I think half that team were involved in the World Cup build-up. So they were obviously quite a strong outfit and that was represented well in the game. So um, particularly Samoa, having that backing now will add another layer to it as well as as obviously the South China Tigers being part of the Hong Kong program. Staying with some of those teams that are in the competition, in regards to their recruiting, are they able to recruit from anywhere in the world in, in, you know, I guess having the ability to take players from here that miss out for your side potentially? Um, I think like all recruitment, there's, you know, you're going to have marquees that that pop up in and around and uh, certainly can be pulled from everywhere, but generally with the, the union backing, that's where they'll pull players from, so um, obviously, your Fijian homegrown talent, Samoan homegrown talent, um, South China ties with Hong Kong, and then Malaysia, from what we know, will have a South African influence as well. So, um, yeah, certainly, uh, you know, there's never shortage of rugby players across the world to recruit from. So, um, there's going to be a lot of talent that's going to be on display next year in 2020. Do you see a time in the future where this competition starts to take some of the bigger names from some of the other global comps? Yeah, I think, obviously, um, it's, it's a start-up, and that's what we've been building towards the last three years. Now that we're launching fully fledged competition, we've earned a bit of respect amongst the rugby community um, around the world and within Australia as well. So um, we've certainly had a lot of inquiries from players that are interested and, um, you know, some, some big names involved in there too, um, depending on where they're at in their career. So um, it's only going to get bigger and better, and that's been demonstrated the last three years. So um, you can only see it uh, having bigger and better names being involved moving forward. Ian Pry there, captain of the Western Force. Looking forward to Global Rapid Rugby getting up and running uh, on the weekend of March Welcome 13 back to and 15th. And the exact Paul date of that will be opening game, Thursday not yet finalised, but that will be where that weekend. So if you're a Western Force fan, put it in your diary uh, and get ready for that. Still got plenty to come here Mark on Lecrae, Off the Bench. Stick with us. Yeah, pretty good. How are you going? Very, very well, mate. Now, uh, talk us through it. How did it all come about? Yeah, is it bit of a funny one. I think when uh, Longy got the job, uh, he sort of put the feelers out to see if I'd be interested in, in dipping my toe in the water and, and getting back involved with footy and um, obviously had to sort of cross the barrier that he was at Frio. Um, it sort of took a little bit to get my head around, but um, I love working with him with his time at, at West Coast. He was my line coach for probably five years, I reckon, um, and we got along really well. Got along well away from footy as well, so um, that's made my decision a lot easier, um, but it's a you know one day a week. It's a great opportunity for me to get back involved in the club and um, or at Frio and and sort of have a fresh start and 
see if uh, the footy pathway um, is something that I want to go down. What were the specifics of the role, Eka, that appealed to you? Basically just getting involved um, with the forward line. So um, nothing that I felt like I hadn't done while I was at West Coast. It's um, come down, get amongst the players um, and, and try and help them out where I can. Um, I'm obviously going to be pretty raw in that role, um, having not fully prepared for, for coaching um, after my footy career, but I feel like it's a similar role, um, as I said, to, to when I was sort of in the last couple of years of my um, my footy career where I could sort of try and help out um, the younger guys and, and um, tell them, you know, the experiences that I'd been through and um, what I did to, you know, whether it was helping my goal kicking or crumbing or something like that, um, you know, get down there and try and help out where I can. What's been the feedback from some of your old teammates and also the supporters out there from <laughs> West Coast? Uh, mate, it's, uh, it's been good. It's I expected it. The, the teammates are, have ribbed me a fair bit, but, they, you know, they, they're great mates. You find out who, who your friends are. And, um, I mean, there's been a few supporters that have, have been upset, um, and I understand it. It's, it's been a good rivalry, and when I was at West Coast, I fully embraced the rivalry as well. So, um, for me... You know, I've, I just have keep telling myself footy for me is about um, relationships and people. And Longy was one of the best people I met in footy, so it was pretty easy to follow him down to down to Freo. Talk us through Western Derby week because the Eagles have won the last nine. Fremantle need all the help they can get at the moment. Will you be going into the office to try and derail what the West Coast Eagles are doing on Derby week? <laughs> oh, mate, I, <laughs> I haven't thought that far ahead to be honest. So um, that that will be a weird feeling for me. It's, um, yeah, I, I like I said, I haven't I haven't thought that far ahead, but um, hopefully I can have an impact with the forwards, mate, and they kick for you goals. Lekka, really appreciate your time, mate. Best of luck uh, with the role with the Fremantle Dockers, the arch enemy, as it was known uh, until about two days ago. Really appreciate you joining us. Thanks, guys. Mark LaCroix there. And Paul Hazelby, what are your thoughts on a man from the Eagles heading across town and joining your beloved Fremantle Dockers. I like it, but it's not going to be the be-all and end-all because he's there for one day a week. He's working with the forwards. Let's hope he can get a increase in the goal-kicking accuracy for the Fremantle Dockers because traditionally they have been quite low in recent times. Maybe suggest a little bit about where they are taking their shots from, but also I think the fatigue element for a lot of their forwards. So, look, I think uh, coupled with a good program led by Justin Longmuir, they can make some serious inroads into their skill level. It's not going to happen overnight, but you also need a very good game plan to complement it and make it easier. And the other good news is Big Aaron Sandlands too. Going back to the Fremantle Dockers, there was talk that he was going to go to the Bombers as a player for another two years, but he'll be the ruck coach for Fremantle and also the AFLW team. Which is fantastic news for them. And Lekker's one day very shrewdly played by Lekker because if it all goes well, he's the difference. And if they don't improve even remotely, he goes, mate, I just don't have enough time to work with the boys. So very well played by Mark Lecrae. Plenty more still to come here on Off the Bench. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby with you. It's time now to get the latest odds from Sportsbet. You can check out Sportsbet's new same race multi this spring racing carnival. Combine selections from the same race in one bet for bigger odds. If you do have issues with gambling, call 1-800-858-858. As always, gamble responsibly. Nathan Brown, good morning. Morning, boys. Uh, I do note that trekking is making its way over to the Winterbottom Stakes, November 30. You got opened up at 4.60, already into 3.20 trekking. I've had a go at it. Uh, I just think 
It's going over there for a reason for the Winterbottom Stakes, November 30. I think Tricking is going to take that prize home. So I'm backing it now. Mate, uh, what else have we got coming up in the weekend's action in regards to racing? Well, we've got uh, racing across the country, but uh, but being in Sandown, the Spring Carnival is finished, but the Zipping Classic is still on tomorrow over 2,400 metres, and there's some nice horses going around. Southern France, number five, is the favourite, $3.70. Had a lot of punters going through Southern France. A little bit of each-way action around number nine, Savvy Oak, $11. And number 10, Miss Siska, at $9.50. Probably the biggest danger to the favourite is going to be Humidor at $4. Hasn't really moved off that $4 quote. Hasn't won for a while, Humidor, that must be said. But there's some really nice horses going around. And here's our best of the day. Race two, number four, is Azuro. Mark Zara on board, $3.60 at the moment. And our other best of the day comes up in race number 10, number four, Setting Sail. Opened up at $2.50, into $2.15 already. So $2.15 for Setting Sail in the last race of the day at Sandown. Brownie, let's turn our attention to the cricket. The first test squad has been released. What has that done for the markets? Well, Australia are very short price favourites in this one. We know that Pakistan just bowled through the Australian A very easily, but Australia $1.27, Pakistan $7.30, the draw is $7.80. So big money on the draw, big money on Pakistan, obviously, um, at seven eighty and seven thirty. Top run scorer for the Aussies, Steve Smith, $2.50. That's as short as you'll see a top run scorer market. I think he got to about $2.15 in the ashes. He started at around $4. That's where David Warner is, $4.00. Joe Burns at five. Labashane at 5.50, I don't mind. I think he's very, very good. Cameron Bancroft is also at $6, but hard to go past Steve Smith for that. And if you want to back Pakistan, top run scorer, Babar Azam, he is unbelievable. He is $3, and Azar Ali is $4.50. But $1.27, a little bit too short for, uh, to be backing that. But I don't mind Steve Smith at 2.50 for the highest run scorer in our first dig. Yeah, it seems like a very straightforward betting option there. Now, let's go to the NBL, the Wildcats. They take on the Breakers on Sunday. Unbelievably hard to beat at home, the Perth Wildcats. $1.33, pretty short. $3.37, the Breakers are. The line here is seven. So that's where the punters have been having a crack, thinking that Perth Wildcats should be able to win by more than seven points. I can't see why that wouldn't happen. They're going all right at the moment at home, $1.33. Or if you want to take the line, at $1.90, more than seven points for the Perth Wildcats. Should be getting the job done there. Thank you very much, Brownie. Appreciate it. Gamble responsibly, guys. Have a great weekend. Yes, make sure you do gamble responsibly and you can check out Sports Bet's new same race multi this spring racing carnival. Combine selections from the same race in one bet for bigger odds. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. If gambling is an issue for you, stick around. Hayes and I will wrap up the show next. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Yes, welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you. Hayes, it's nearly time for us to say goodbye. It's a sad time every week when I have to see you walk out of the studio and leave me on my lonesome. Is it? It is. Oh, I enjoy your company. It's the most exciting part of my week. I get to, get, uh, getting away to from me out. finally for the first time all week. Uh, Not just w- getting away from you, but uh, getting away from work and getting out there and doing some activities. A big weekend I've got planned, actually. What? Tell, a, tell us. Tell a us. wedding tonight. Yeah. Tomorrow, I've got McHappy Day. So yeah. if you get a chance to go to McDonald's tomorrow, pop in. I'm going to be at the Melville store. 
between 12 and 1. Um, I've spent a lot of my um, childhood at McDonald's and my adulthood too, <laughs> to be honest. So $2 from every Big Mac goes to McHappy Day. We know particularly for a lot of the regional families that are listening tonight that uh, Ronald McDonald's house charity plays a very important part if you do have uh, illness or sickness with your children, that you get the chance to stay there, use their facilities in your time of need. So support that. Then I've got a camp out. So every Where are you year, going camping, Hayes? Well, I'm going to the Adderdale School. So every year we have this Adidas camping day. The Adidas. So do you have a shirt with that written across the front we as well? We do, some hats as well. It's a big thing. And um, look, we get our tents. You put them on the oval. There's probably 100 dads and their kids. They bring in the fire brigade, come in and do a few little shows just to cool us down a bit. And there's water slides, movies are put on at night. So it's a fantastic event. And I'm sure my kids are looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to the lack of sleep, though, Beaver. Yeah, I was about to say, it sounds like you've got a busy weekend. My day tomorrow just pretty much consists of going to the beach. I might even, I've just been had this inkling, I might go out to the DFO at the airport. Is that I've right? Haven't do been, some shopping. I haven't been there yet. I just think maybe it's maybe it's worth a try. I is it complete? I, I drove past it the other day. And... Well, it's open. Mm. I don't know if it's complete as such, but it's open. So there should be enough there, I'm thinking. And what's the worst? If I don't find anything, I'll just jump on a plane and find somewhere to go. Not much sport on this weekend. Beef, the glory, not a, not a, a huge, game. Not a the huge Wildcats amount. have two games, so good luck to the Perth Wildcats in their contest. But outside of that, uh, the cricket's not really happening. We have to wait till next Thursday for the start of the first test against Pakistan. And this is why I have league pass, hey, so I can watch basketball 24-7. It's beautiful. We can, you can go on SBS. You can watch uh, the long catch-ups. If you miss the Wildcats game, you can go and watch it there. It is fantastic, Hayes. There's lots of options if you love sport about this time of year. But we haven't actually spoken in depth. I want to just quickly, before we go... Speak about Sam Kerr signing that two-and-a-half-year deal, which is something that I, I thought was very weird, but as it turns out, she has to wait for the transfer window to open in January, I think it is, before she joins uh, Chelsea's women's team. But fantastic for her, a huge loss for the W League, but we're all rooting for her and hoping she can make uh, her name even bigger on the biggest sporting stage. Well, when they talk about the best players in the world in soccer, she's always in the discussion in the top three, but not necessarily the top one. I think here in Australia, we think she's the best, but we wouldn't really know because until you test yourself against the very best, you don't know. I know America are the best at soccer in the world, and she's dominated that competition just receiving the MVP for her season. 19 goals across 23 games is a pretty good performance, but this is the big time now. This is the big league, and hopefully in 24 months, when this contract is all done, we can say undisputedly, she's the best player and the best export we've ever seen in the game of soccer. That's what we're hoping for. Off the bench, Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby. Hayes, you've got a busy weekend. Hope you enjoy it. I hope you and the other dads really, really enjoy your time down there at the school. <laughs> Thanks, Beef. No worries. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you again next week here on Off the Bench. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.